You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. They combine fields, they have knowledge. <laughs> they combine, not combine, combine. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're making them sound like farmers. That's the Saskatchewan in me. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, and we are a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB, Travis Curra, Brazilian Thai. We are just over a week away from 2 and Out Live at the Grey Cup in Edmonton, November 22nd at the CKUA building on Jasper Avenue. It's right in the heart of the Grey Cup action. Tickets are 10 bucks, and all proceeds go to CFL fans fight cancer. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> I find this um, this amazing. So Andrea, she's Dusty Foot Dre on Twitter, says, hey, hey, if I bring 15 pierogies, do you think you can uh, chow them down in 15 seconds? And I'm like, well, how do we turn down free pierogies? And then, Brazilian tie, we got a message to the Two and Out Facebook page from Ryan, says... Show tickets purchased. Will Ty be facing Joey Chestnut in a margarine-dipped hot dog eating contest? That, you know, I love hot dogs and I love butter and margarine, but I don't think I'd like them together. W- would you go toe to toe with him in a margarine eating contest? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that would be hot the dogs, single most hot dogs disgusting not a chance, thing. But <laughs> hey, that if would... that's the most disgusting thing about me, I my life is looking up. And I just want to like I I kind of just want to see it to believe it. Like, is this something that you would actually do? (laughs) (laughs) I have been known to. What's your preferred brand? Oh, B-Cell, man. That's what I got in the fridge right now. That's what I got in the fridge right now. I had four pieces of toast for breakfast, mother, because I'm running low on peanut butter, because I'm not buying any more groceries before I leave here on Friday. So I got to seize up everything in the fridge. That stuff's incredible. It stays soft. Yeah, it's great. It's, that's why I don't like butter because you put butter in the fridge; it's too hard. If you put it in, in if you put it in the cupboard, it, it gets soft and and it's just not good. And, <laughs> and I think margarine tastes better. <laughs> don't at me! Don't oh at me! Oh my god! I'm bringing some base cell to the podcast. I want to see you do this live and in person. You got to bring salt, though, too. Okay, I'll bring a salt shaker just for you, buddy. <laughs> Join two and out for CFL Fantasy and CFL Pick'em and show Kura and Ty what you got. They are who we thought they were. Just click cflfantasy.tsn.ca. Enough from talking about it. There has to be consequences. And pick'em.cfl.ca. All right, semifinal Sunday, uh, East semifinal, West semifinal. I got to mention uh, Stan Lee passed away at the age of 95. This happened, you know, about 20, 20 minutes ago that it's been announced. Uh, Brazilian tie. Uh, well, what superpower would you take if you could? Um, 
that's a great question. Like, I don't. I, I want to be Batman because he's just filthy rich. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, can I be rich? Can that be my superpower? And and he's and he's jacked. Yeah, like, so I, but you I never see be him the George working Clooney at it. Batman. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> want to be the George Clooney Batman. That that's for sure. I want to be like. I want to be like Arnold Schwarzenegger, but I don't want to put the work in. <laughs> <laughs> Who is your daddy and what does he do? <laughs> I don't know if that's a superpower, but uh, that's what we're going with. We start with the East semifinal. Wally Bono's last game as a head coach in the CFL because Hamilton smashed the Lions 48-8. to Brazilian tie. do you have any energy to give us a woo? Woo! Hey, I think you nailed it. Well done, buddy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they have to bring Ric Flair to the rest of the playoffs, don't they? Uh, absolutely. They're, they're, <laughs> if they don't, they're miss. They're they're not going to win anymore. Like, <laughs> it, ha- can you imagine if he's at Grey Cup? If, if Hamilton beats Ottawa next week because Ric Flair's there and they bring him to Grey Cup, Flair would like, love the Grey Cup. I I don't know if he'd survive it. Well, he had that health scare last summer. He's probably mm-hmm. slowed down on the old Nate lifestyle, but <laughs> if he wants to get back into it, the Grey Cup's the perfect time. <laughs> At, hey, all I know is that I've been saving up all my party attitude and shenanigans for Grey Cup, so it better be worth it. I don't know, man. You had seven or eight Cokes on a semifinal Sunday. Yeah, and I, still got, I had three today already. Oh, completely off the wagon, eh? No, I got to get rid of them now because they're in the oh, fridge. Oh, because you didn't want to buy more groceries. Yeah, so I don't want to throw them out. That's a waste. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, man, these two teams split the back-to-back season series one and one, and you know what? At Tim Hortons Field, I guess uh, the Tiger Cats outscored the Lions 88-18. to 18. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. I don't know what it is about going to Tim Hortons Field or Timmy Ho's Field, as Devere Posey called it. Yeah. But, it, it, I mean, we're, we're not even halfway through the second quarter, and it's 28 nothing, and then the game is lost from that point. I mean, I don't even know what else there is to say about the game. Uh, Hamilton started the uh, game with a touchdown drive, and then BC couldn't get anything going, and th- they just kept pouring it on, and then next thing you know, there's a punt return for a touchdown, and it's 28 nothing. Like, the the Lions had zero in this game. Solomon, Elamimi, and Wally's last game or not. Yeah, it wasn't very good, uh, you know, and, and they haven't been good on the road all year. So I think we kind of saw this coming. I don't think we saw uh, the way that it played out, you know, no. losing by 40 points. But, you know, that BC's opening play was a fumbled snap. It was almost like the fact they were on the road and, and up against this, up against the team that, you know, they, they had gotten blown out by once before was already in their head. And it, they they looked defeated as soon as Adrian Tracy recovered that that fumbled snap on BC's first play of the game. You know what I thought? I thought that Ottawa would be tough to beat in the East final, but now it it kind of looks like Hamilton's got a bit of momentum heading into that mm-hmm. game, and sometimes that can be a good thing if you win the semifinal and you go into the division final all fired up from last week. 
and it's all about staying hot. Uh, you, you know, you come in, and we'll talk about it in the West Semi as well, but you come in uh, with, with a good record down the stretch, uh, and they they didn't have to play guys, uh, but they did to a, to a point and made sure that the guys got their reps in to stay, and they kept them fresh. Uh, you know, they're playing pretty good football right now, uh, and to keep that train rolling will be uh, paramount coming into the East Final this week. Well, and that's what we see here with, I I, I would say, uh, Braylon Addison, who had five catches, 124 yards in this one. He played mm-hmm. in the last game of the season, but he played so well that they put him into the lineup, and it looked like he knew the offense great. I, I think he's probably sitting on the practice roster uh, all year long, but Terrell Singfield didn't make the roster. He got me a nice zero in my fantasy playoff roster. But uh, <laughs> Addison comes in, and, man, he might be the unlikely hero of this playoff run for the Ticats if they can keep her going. You know, it goes 5 for 8 for 124. He's the game's leading receiver. Uh, that's a huge addition uh, to a depleted receiving core for Hamilton with, with Brandon Banks out. Um, you know, and, and that opened up stuff for Luke Tasker with three for five, 70 yards, and he had the two touchdowns. Uh, so the, the passing, you know, only 259 yards for Masoli, but the passing game was a lot better uh, looking than it has been in the past couple of weeks. I, I thought, I, I think anyway, they just, you know, Addison had, had the game he had, and it opened up so much more uh, for guys like Tasker and Mike Jones. After three quarters, it was 44 nothing Tiger Cats. Uh, Jeremiah Mazzoli, he threw three touchdown passes, but he only had to attempt 19 passes and because this game got to where it, it was, man. Uh, he had a perfect passer rating at 158.3, and he's saying... Yeah, I do deserve to be that Eastern nomination for MOP. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, he pull, pulls the old Tua Tonga Vailoa where he doesn't even play the fourth quarter. Yeah. Like that that that's how good they were in this game. It was crazy. So, I mean, I, I don't really know what to say here about BC except what do you see happening next year? There are a couple teams where I could see the entire quarterback depth chart on their teams being turned upside down. And I think that might happen in BC. Um, I, I don't know at this point if they want to go with Travis Lule as their starter next year. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't seem like Ed Hervey's much of a fan of Jonathan Jennings. but And I know that it was, yeah, 44 to nothing or whatever. But uh, Jennings came in and, you know what, in relief the last few weeks, I thought he's looked better than Lule. Uh, Lule, after the coming back from that, I guess, shoulder injury a few weeks back, he has not looked like he did uh, in the middle of the season. Um, and I don't know if he'll be back. Uh, who knows if Jennings will be, be back. It's going to be an interesting situation and another, I think, offseason of change in BC. Well, and it... Lule, you know, he's 35, so how much longer do you really want to hitch your wagon to a 35-year-old starter? Yeah. Uh, you know, if it – and it's no – I'm not crapping on Travis Lule whatsoever. He's, he's got a great cup. He's got an MOP. Uh, you know, he, he's been very good to the BC Lions and very good for them. But at some point, you have to look at a succession plan. And Jonathan Jennings, other than the one year, hasn't returned to that form. So you have to start looking at other options. Uh, 
you know, and whether or not Hervey wants to keep both these guys around is unbeknownst to us, but with the comments earlier in the year about Jonathan Jennings and stuff like that, it doesn't look like it's a great relationship. Uh, but, I mean, there's so many free agents and so many free agent quarterbacks that we could see a, a huge uh, shuffle depending on how the CBA negotiations go and everything like that where, you know, there's a distinct possibility all these guys might just resign with their teams. Yeah, but yeah. Just, just the outside chance that we have a huge quarterback carousel, um, and I think BC would be a prime candidate to be going after, you know, guys like Mike Riley, uh, because the quarterback situation uh, in their organization is kind of in flux right now. I know the media in BC they uh, they really think Jennings has looked like a completely different uh, quarterback. Uh, since Ed Hervey made the comments, and why wouldn't they? Um, I, I think that would light a fire under anybody. So, uh, I mean, let's see what he can do. You know what? I, I, I don't know if I'm ready to give up on Jonathan Jennings just because look at the the time that the Tiger Cats put into Jeremiah Mazzoli. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, develop these guys overnight, and he is still young. He's... He's got a lot of years ahead of him, and I think he's got a great arm. He uh, he's he's mobile, and if if they l- unleash him and, and let him run and just have fun playing the game, I think he's still got a lot left. He's only twenty six years old; he'll be twenty seven next July. So I think he's still got a lot to give. And if he can return to the form we saw two years ago, or, or you know closer to that, and if he's if. It could be a coaching thing. I don't want to say it's Wally's fault, but um, you know, maybe trying because they can. They both play differently. Jennings and Lule. Uh, Jennings is way more mobile, especially now um, compared to Lule. So I'm, I'm wondering if a coaching change has a little bit to do with that. Once Wally's gone, but yeah, 26 years old. He's he's got lots of time. Uh, you know, and like like he said, Masoli was on the practice roster for years, uh, and then finally got his break. Uh, when June Jones took over, and look what look what Hamilton has now, um, so there is that the possibility for Jennings as well. Uh, it, it would be nice to see. Uh, the only thing that worries me is sixty six touchdowns at fifty one interceptions. Just that that's not a very good ratio. So it just tells me that the decision making just needs a little improvement before we can really look at him as a viable number one. And you know, it seemed for about fifteen of eighteen BCs. Uh, regular season games, they downright refuse to run the ball. And mm-hmm. uh, how, how's that going to help a young quarterback? It doesn't help at all, man. You know, it, doesn't, it doesn't help your offense whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you got you, it, It's easy to stop something when you know it's coming unless it's Andrew Harris running the ball. So, they, you know, and they got a guy like Jeremiah Johnson. They got Terrell Sutton later in the year, and they committed to the run a little bit more, but it was still hit and miss with, you know, getting five carries one week and 15 carries the next and and you know you come in come into a, a matchup and your your game plan doesn't lend itself to success to begin with uh it's really hard to get that offense going and, and of course the, the quarterback's gonna get the blame for that because he's the one calling the plays just a sad way for Wally Buono to end his career basically three blowout losses in a row against the Riders the Stamps and now the tie cats in the playoffs. The Lions apparently don't fare too well in the crossover game. I uh, was it 2014 when BC crossed over to Montreal and got absolutely smashed. I think 
was Jonathan Crompton the <laughs> quarterback mm. for the Owls and just absolutely crushed uh, the Lions in that crossover game. So recent history says, man, uh, <laughs> the Lions don't do too well in that old crossover game. No, uh, and you know a lot of teams. Well, we've never had a West a West team make it to the Great Cup. There's a reason. Uh, there, it, it's tough, and and you know this is another example. Like, and, and we said it uh, on on Thursday's show that you know BC's a lot of their stats were inflated by their home play. They did not play good on the road, and we saw that this week uh, against Hamilton, it, scoring eight points. That's that's embarrassing. Giving up forty eight. That's even worse. Uh, it just seems they had nothing left in the tank. And, and Jock Climby said it on the broadcast that you know they were more relieved to just be in the playoffs. Uh, and that was kind. I think that is uh, the the emotional and the physical toll that took on the team just to get to the playoffs uh, with the way they played on the road. I think took a lot out of them. And coming into this game, I think they were already spent. Yeah, that 2014 East semifinal of the, the uh, Alouettes crushed. The Lions 50-17. to Their quarterbacks on the roster that year, Alex Brink, Jonathan Crompton, and Tanner Marsh. So <laughs> that uh, was the Alouettes that uh, destroyed BC that Real year. Real murderers row. <laughs> but this game also brings up uh, the playoff format because some people are saying, hey, the Riders got to play the Winnipeg Blue Bombers when the Riders have a 12 and 6 record and then the Tiger Cats with 8 and 10 get to host the Lions on the road who I mean I don't think the Lions are a bad team but they certainly are bad on the road. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that's an understatement. That's just the way it shakes out though with the playoffs right now and I I think you know when the Schooners come in in a few years it is going to be a bit of growing pains, though, because if the Owls and the Argos are still where they are now, it's going to be three bad teams in the East <laughs> in a few years. So we almost have the same situation as we do now, mm-hmm. but I, I don't think you kick four of them out of the playoffs, even if there are ten teams uh, in the league as far as that Eastern division goes. Uh, before we get to the Western semifinal, saying thank you to uh, ATB Financial today. They've got a podcast now called We Are Alberta. ATB economist Nick Ford uh, hosts it. And the next episode is going to come out tomorrow, which is November 13th. So atb.com slash wearealberta. Uh, the first two episodes look at the legalization of pot. They look at uh, Alberta's changing uh, energy sector. So smart guy Nick Ford takes a look at all of this stuff through an economic lens. atb.com slash wearealberta. It is atb.com slash wearealberta. I made the drive from... Uh, Alberta to Regina. I left the condo at 3.43 a.m. I got to Regina, gassed up, went to the bus, went to the stadium, got there at about, uh, I'd say an hour, 45 minutes before kickoff, went to the lounge, had some Pilsners, had a Greek poutine, 
Woo! Which looked was, disgusting, by the way. You know what? That was damn good. I saw people walking around with it. I'm like, I gotta get myself one of those. <laughs> <laughs> it was good, man. Um, uh, talked to Chris Best. Uh, he used to play right guard for the Riders. Now does the uh, game day radio uh, with CKRM. Gave two and out a shout out on the radio. We made it big time, man. Not a big deal. <laughs> Did he and mention pierogies? He did not. I was, well, then is you know it really what? a shout-out? You know what? When I was talking face-to-face, I was like, man, he's got two feet on me, and his his hands can, you know, strangle me. And <laughs> I'm like, I don't, I don't want to talk big about pierogies here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all talk when, you know, we're eight-hour drives apart, but in person, ah. Uh, you can have this one. <laughs> you're, like a, you're like a chihuahua. You just bark. Exactly. <laughs> I don't think anybody's ever compared you to a chihuahua, but next to Chris Best, I think it's I think yeah. it's uh, I think it's appropriate. Exactly. So then, uh, yeah, got back at one forty three in the morning. So that's why the podcast didn't come out Monday morning. And I was some- still up. You were. We should have recorded. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been would have been a great show, I'm sure. Oh, it, it would have been absolutely uh, rough. But <laughs> you know what? It was a good drive. I like driving. I listened to Metallica pretty much the whole way, and you know, had myself a, an awesome time seeing some people there. Uh, ended up meeting uh, Adam uh, Stewart. I think he is farmer dude. He was on Fantasy. I'm pretty yeah. sure he won our whole group last year, didn't he? Last year, I do believe he did, yes. Yeah, so he ended up having to buy my Pilsner and the poutine. It's a long story. <laughs> so I'll get him a beer at Grey Cup. <laughs> but thanks for the uh, Pilsner poutine, buddy. Uh, not combined. I don't know how good that would be. Um, bomber coming to Regina, and they win 23-18. to 18. So I was prepared for the weather here. It was like minus 10, wind chill minus 20 or something like that. And uh, I thought it was going to be a lot worse and it, I guess maybe because I was prepared or maybe I was expecting worse. It wasn't too bad. I've been to colder football games and maybe because my seat wasn't exposed to the wind too bad, but mm-hmm. man, and the more I think about it, the more I don't want the season moved because th- the same people that complain that the CFL playoffs go against NFL Sunday with whatever, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus, you know, the Cleveland Browns or whatever, are the same people that say we shouldn't compete with the NHL. So you want to move the season up to April. There are like, what, six of our uh, teams in the league have NHL teams, and, you know, half of them suck, but Seven. you want to com- <laughs> compete? Your math, your, math, your math these last two weeks has been off the charts. Yeah, I haven't been sleeping much. So they, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you don't want to compete with NFL Sunday, but you want to compete mm-hmm. with these teams. They're not going to suck all the time. When they're starting playoff runs, I don't know. I mean, the season, the preseason this year started, it was like May 27th or May 31st, something like that. Yeah. So to make a real difference as far as weather goes, I think you have to move the season by like six weeks. Because yeah, and then you're getting into the stretch drive. 
moving it two weeks is not going to make a difference at no. all. So you want to move it, you know, to try to avoid November or only get the first weekend in November. And then training camp starting in, what, April, late March, um, the, the draft has to get in there. So the kids that get drafted wouldn't be able to come to camp. They, they would have to go next year because um, they've got exams. They, they've got degrees to achieve because it's not the highest paying job in the world. These guys want backup plans before they come to the mm-hmm. CFL. So, I, I mean, if high school kids can play outside in November, I, I think the guys that are getting paid for it can. Um. Two things. I played hockey in an arena in Lloydminster where it was colder inside than it was outside. So, <laughs> Is that the old Archie? Yeah, the old Archie <laughs> Miller. Before they renovated. They renovated it. It, it, it. It's literally a barn. <laughs> it looks like uh, a they, barn, yeah. They renovated it, and like the only thing they did was fix up the lobby and put heated floors in. Other than that, it's still cold as balls. <laughs> hey, the ice is great, though. When it's not, yeah, when they let us use it. Yeah. We weren't allowed to practice there on Thursday mornings anymore because we chewed it up too bad. Oh, um, okay. And, and two, you, you, the, for the people complaining that it's up against NFL Sunday, you can watch both. It's you have a remote. <laughs> you have a remote control. Flip back and forth between the games. I'm so tired of that argument. Like, don't get me wrong. A, four, a 44 nothing game, pretty hard to watch. So then change the channel. Yeah. You know the outcome. Go watch another football game and then come back when, you're, when the Ryder game starts if you want to watch that one. No, no, nobody's making you watch all four quarters. Yeah, I don't. Like, I, I don't understand it. I, I just don't get it. And people that want the season moved up, but they don't want to go against hockey and, and they want it moved up so that it's warmer out and you don't go against NFL Sunday, you can't have it both ways. And we're not going to get to a point where we're going only to Vancouver and, you know, Montreal, if the Big O is safe enough, or you know Toronto, if they want to put it in Rogers Place so that the the, the stadium is covered for a Grey Cup, that's not going to happen because teams need these Grey Cups, uh, you know, to host Grey Cups to to hit a bottom line. It helps them, you know, recover some cash. So that's not an option. I, I just don't get it. I, I like we live you live in the, you live in Canada and it's the winter for six months of the year. Buy some Long Johns and shut up. Are we are we in agreement that as far as TV goes, competing with the NHL is a way bigger worry than the NFL, especially 100%. especially regular season NFL. Like yeah, and well, the, cause the thing the is, Jets and Bills, like uh, whatever. Yeah, but I mean, the Titans did beat the Pats this week. But the thing is, in Canada, unless you have Dazzin or you buy an NFL Sunday ticket, you only get three games, four games, because you don't, you only get games for your region. So, so, you know, or not even necessarily your region. Like we still get Steeler games on CBS and Lloyd, and that'll be the, the one game you get on CBS. So, you know, there, if there's only, if there's only, you're only going up against four games, it's not that big of a deal, especially if it's week six. Or I guess it's week ten now. Like it, playoff races haven't really kicked in yet. It's not that big of a deal. Um, you know, to go up against NHL playoffs 
is way bigger, especially you'll be going up against, especially the first and second round if you move it up. If you move the season up, you're going to be going against first and second round games at some point. And, you know, those are, that's the best part. That's the most busy time for the NHL playoffs. Is, yeah. And, and the, the CFL will want nothing to do with that. Uh, and, I, I, you know, I don't think people maybe realize how strong CFL playoff ratings are. Like each game, it floats around the average viewership of a million. Uh, the Grey Cup obviously mm. will have more than that, and I'm sure the E semi will struggle just because of the the score. Um, you know, winning by five or six yeah. scores is not exciting to watch. I, I think the Bomber Rider numbers will be right around a million people, and those afternoon NFL games are not pulling that in. Um, and especially considering that you have to pay extra for the TSN channels. So I, I think if the CFL was on, um, you know, CTV, the, the stuff that comes with the basic packages, I think the ratings would be even stronger. And I, I mm-hmm. don't know if you noticed this, but it, it sure looked like Sportsnet was giving a lot of attention to uh, the Atlantic Schooners announced. I keep calling. I'm just going to call them the Schooners. Just we're going to have to get I used like to it. it. Um, th- they were giving a lot of attention to the press conference last week. Tim and Sid were talking about it, and they even had a mm-hmm. little bit where Sid was like, "Yeah," and or sorry, Tim was, "Yeah, maybe this network will get some games. Maybe yours truly will be able to call some games." It looks like they are really interested. In getting some Canadian football on their network, and I just think that is a good thing, man. Well, and, and it would help because they already have, um, I guess it's U Sport now. I'm still going to call it CIS. I really don't care. Um, <laughs> they do have you know, they, that. They, they have the they have the semis and the and the Vanier Cup already. So it'd be a nice way to kind of marry that. At the same time, I don't think TSN would give up rights to a competitor until you know that contract is up and yeah. then we can talk about it. Um, it's but all, they it's might all good. have to and, do two networks. If they're going to do five games a week, they might have to they, do that. I don't see. Yeah, I get, well, I don't, I still think that they wouldn't overlap or that they would overlap, but they wouldn't have two games on at the same time. They probably wouldn't, but they might just need, uh, I, I don't know if the the wording in the contract changes when they've got an extra game a week now. I honestly I don't know Maybe. how any of that works, Maybe. but uh, um, they, but it's all fun and games to have that second. It's all great to have that second option if if it does go that way until Arash Madani starts covering teams and games <laughs> and it's nothing but negativity on Twitter <laughs> all the time and it's just it's frustrating and it's asinine and it's ridiculous. Hey, he might change his tune once uh, his network's got some rights. I, I don't know. I, I think he does an okay job at Grey Cup uh, with Travis Lule. But, uh, yeah, he. Uh, I, I think he'll be on a mission this year with per- player safety like he has been the last mm-hmm. few years at the Grey Cup, and we will get to that when we talk about this game. I think the irony of this game... Maybe not even the irony. It's what has plagued the Rough Riders all season long. Chris Jones? (laughs) They were great with special teams in this one. The defense was okay. They were great in the first half, but 
The Bombers' offensive line took it over in the second half. Mm -hmm. They wore down the Riders' defensive front and were able to run the ball at will. And that was the difference of the game because the defense and the special teams put the Rider offense in some great field position, and Brandon Bridge and the Riders could not get it done. So they lose by five points. And the the drives that the Rider offense had, let's face it, a lot of them, well, a few of them, were supported by bomber penalties. And if they didn't happen, mm-hmm. the, the offensive output would have looked even worse for Saskatchewan. Well, Saskatchewan had four two-and-outs. Winnipeg only had one. Yeah. Like, and, and Winnipeg wins the turnover. And we knew whoever was going to win this turnover battle in this one was going to win this game because both teams undefeated when they win the turnover battle. And Winnipeg won that 2 nothing. They took care of the ball a lot better. Um, but, yeah. If it wasn't for those Winnipeg penalties, this game looks a lot worse. Uh, not only than it already did, because it wasn't it wasn't a Picasso or it wasn't a Michelangelo for sure. No, but it it you know it, it could have been the score could have been you know a heck of a lot worse if it wasn't for a little bit of undisciplined play from the Bombers. Well, and that's when uh, the tide of the game really changed because when the Riders got up to a six nothing lead. Uh, two field goals. I was worried. It actually, because you bet money on the Bombers, it actually <laughs> a felt lot. like the Riders had uh, some momentum there and that the crowd mm-hmm. was going to get into it and the defense was going to, uh, you know, uh, keep them with this lead. But then Brandon Bridge makes one of the worst decisions <laughs> I'd ever seen. He could have ran yep. for a first down. He could have yep. thrown the Throwing ball it out away. of bounds. But yep. Kevin Kevin Fogg maybe gets the easiest interception of his career uh, after that poor throw. Yeah, and I saw on Twitter, uh, I can't remember his name now, but I, I will find it and, t- and retweet it out. Like if I wanted to see wounded ducks like this, I would have stayed home and turned on my my super ness and played duck hunt instead of coming out here to freeze my ass off. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, that pretty much sums up what happened with that with that interception. And a lot of his throws weren't the greatest. Uh, and I, I get it, it; it's cold and everything. But I'd like to know the record. Of course, I mean this game w- would obviously it be one and one. But the game, the record of quarterbacks who throw with a glove on their throwing hand because I, I just feel like you, it's just not, it, it's definitely not the same. And I, I would, I don't think I could do it. And I, I think it'd just be, I can't even throw like a snowball with a glove on. I got to take it off. So yep. I couldn't imagine throwing a football like that. The, the drama leading up to this game was, mm-hmm. you know, Zach Kalaros in practice saying last week, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. We, we don't get the practice reports that we'd like. Um, we don't get the injury reports that we would like, so we only are able to rely on what we see. And, I mean, the voice of the riders, they knew that Kalaros probably wasn't going to see the field, but they couldn't say anything. So there, there was... Ah, it's kind of a catch-22. They, they knew Kalaros wasn't going to start, but they did a damn good job of hiding that fact, I thought. Until it was, you know, broken at practice that Bridge was taking first team reps. On they were Friday, they were splitting yeah. reps. Yeah. Um, 
So I looked through the rule book. I looked through the CBA. I looked through all the appendixes of the CBA, and I couldn't find anything to do with depth charts. The only thing I found was on your 46-man, the two guys you scratch, you you do that whenever. Oh, you can put them wherever you want. The 24 hours before the game. And you don't have to get league approval to change those two play or to, to to do your two scratches, right? But I I'd always thought that that when the when the depth chart comes out that it has to be accurate. Oh, it does and not so, have to be. We right seen and it. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think that need I think that's something needs to be looked at because that that's not even gamesmanship at that point. If you know a player is not going to play, especially your starting quarterback, that's, that's stuff that just pisses me off. Well, if if the league, and this sounds foolish for people that aren't fans of fantasy and things like that, but if they want fantasy to be big and mm-hmm. people to take part in it and get to know the players, and they have had the deal with DraftKings and people get involved in that, if they can't rely on the information that the teams release, then mm-hmm. then how can fans have fun playing that and the NFL does you can argue with what they do with their injury reports there, there's a lot of lies and there's a lot of gamesmanship that goes on there as well but I to do a point think, yes I think they do have but we, we know why they do it as far as that goes yeah it's the same with the NHL too lower body injury or upper body I saw him get a puck wow. in the mouth you can say he's got a jaw injury <laughs> yeah. Well, we don't want anybody to target him. It's like, uh, guys, he's going to be wearing a full mask. I think people will get it. But in the NFL especially, because there was millions upon millions upon millions of dollars gambled on the NFL, and yeah. the NFL now is going to be getting – or now the NFL is going to get a cut. So yeah. they make they, they make these teams release this stuff because it affects lines. It affects the way people bet and affects their cut of it. The CFL doesn't have that. So I, I understand that part, but it, it it becomes asinine. Like when you release a depth chart with four quarterbacks, the jig's up. Like right there, that's a red flag. So you, yeah. you know, either Drew Tater or Zach Claros isn't playing. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and with the injury that he suffered, it's going well. And then he's all of a sudden he's splitting reps, and it's so. I mean, I I, I don't know. Like what I was looking for was like a time that it would have had to be announced so that Winnipeg would have that info before kickoff, but I couldn't find that, and that's because I wanted to know. Uh, but like for Chris Jones, just come on and say, well, we knew he wasn't going to play. So then, what are you doing? Like I, I, I understand the gamesmanship side, but it's just like I just hate Chris Jones. I'll just leave it at that. Um, I actually give Jones and the Riders props for not sending Kalaros out there. Um, mm-hmm. He, it, it's like he only barely got cleared medically because he wouldn't have been practicing. Well, there's no yeah. contact at practices either, so that's a bit of a gray area there as well. But uh, I, I don't know if he barely. Uh, cleared or anything like that but he didn't feel right so mm-hmm. good for them for not you know sending him out there or trying to get him out there because that's three concussions in a year and yeah you only get one head you can get a knee yep. replaced you can get your achilles patched together but you can't get a new head so i mean uh i, I at this point i i wonder 
if uh, he, he's done with his career. We'll get to this player safety uh, again here, but as far as Brandon Bridge looked, rushing was great. He had 86 yards on the ground on five carries. He probably could have done a bit more. Um, sometimes it looked like maybe he was overthinking things a little bit, mm-hmm. trying to stay in the pocket. He could have ran more and probably had 150 yards, but uh, 12 of 22 for 100 yards. It looked like the only receiver he could really, um, you know, match up with was Naaman Roosevelt, who had seven catches for 79 yards. He had himself a, a nice game supporting his quarterback, but Bridge missed touchdown throws he was thrown mm-hmm. behind the receiver he was overthrowing them he hit the goal post but that one was going to be overthrown uh yep. i i wonder if we've seen his last game in the cfl i i think it's his last game as a rider has to i be. don't know if it's his last game in the cfl and like i said maybe he does go to bc because they need something next year there too yeah, I, I don't know what to do with Brandon Bridge. Um, you know, the way that he handled himself last year coming into games, splitting with Kevin Glenn a lot, it looked like um we we knew it was still he was still rough around the edges and there was a lot of work to be done. Oh and yeah. this year this year just seemed like a total regression. He didn't get a lot of playing time this year either. I'll I'll give him that. Last so year tough. he had Jarius Jackson there. He was kinda like the passing mm-hmm. game consultant or something like that. Well, he's now the O C in B C so uh, yeah. While he regressed this year, maybe that is a match matchup to look up for 2019. Oh, absolutely. Um, I just, I, I don't care how you get first downs. If if you got to run for them 80 percent of the time, but you're getting them and you're keeping you're keeping your offense on the field, what what's the harm in that? If you're not getting, if if you can protect yourself and get out of bounds or slide, um, you know. He's just trying to do too much when, you know, he could have just, like you said, tucked the ball and ran, uh, especially on that Kevin Fogg interception. Uh, so and the decision-making just wasn't where it needs to be to, to be a starting quarterback. And that, that comes with time. He didn't get a lot of time this year. Uh, and especially, you know, splitting splitting reps at practice the last couple of weeks, it, it's just not exactly a, a, a spot for him to succeed uh, it's, it doesn't set him up for success to be, to be doing stuff like that. Credit goes to the Bombers. They won the battle in the trenches on both sides of the ball. The Riders lately, uh, since Cam Marshall got back into the lineup, had some success running the ball. They ran over Calgary uh, a few weeks ago. Uh, they ran over BC a couple weeks ago as well, but they got nothing going if it was not Brandon Bridge. In this one, uh, Cam Marshall had seven carries for 14 yards. Marcus Thigpen had five for 15. The Bombers shut down the Riders' run game, and they got nothing going there. And they they became very predictable. When David Watford comes in, you know it's a running play. And and yeah. I know that that kind of happened for Winnipeg when Strevler came in there. You know, 80% of the time, it was going to be a running play, but the difference was the riders couldn't stop it. They had did you no notice, answer. Did you notice what else Winnipeg did with Chris Trevler? After short yardage plays, he stayed on for the next play. He did, and uh, he actually forced the riders to call a timeout because they still mm-hmm. had their 
you know, heavy package for the uh, second down sneak, and they weren't. Yeah, they were not set for the next play. So that, I thought that was Which, smart. I, I thought it was. It, I, I think it can go both ways because. Yeah, I can. A, a lot of the times it set them up second and ten. <laughs> and, you know, that's not ideal for your offense. But at the same time, you're making Saskatchewan make all these changes and adjustments and getting out of their normal scheme because you don't know what Strevler's going to do because he is somewhat of a dual threat. So it And, you know, it worked out. And it keeps I, – I don't want to say it keeps Matt Nichols fresher because he's not on the field as much. But, I mean, to, to instead of having that break with just one play, it's a little bit of continuity. And, and maybe, you know, if he makes a big play and – Whatever, maybe they keep him on the field, and it's kind of just a little bit of a compliment. But uh, I, I thought that was pretty neat how they kept him, and it was after every. I think he did it every time. So I mean, that might be something to look at for next year that they might keep doing this because Stravler has proved that you know it is possible to do and still win football games. And uh, Andrew Harris had himself uh, another Labor Day esque performance, over eight yards a carry, nineteen rushes for one hundred and fifty three yards, and a touchdown. Uh, they kept pounding the rock and pounding the rock, and then in the fourth quarter, there was zero answer from the Rough Riders on stopping that, and they just looked tired. And uh, you know, all year relying on the defense to make a play and. It wasn't there, and Winnipeg did an incredible job of protecting the ball and not turning it over in the cold. And neither defense scored in this game. No. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was you know, what people, I think, kind of expected heading in. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was the interception, but, I mean, they, they weren't – there were no pick sixes or anything like that. No, and I thought they – we knew – kind of had that feeling coming in that Saskatchewan, especially coming in that second half, that Saskatchewan was going to have to make a play on, on defense and score points that way because it was not working with the offense whatsoever. Um, that being said, it, we've said it about Winnipeg for the last three years. At some point, they cannot rely on their defense. Uh, turns out Saskatchewan got bit first. And, and that's just it's the way this one went. Uh, there was lots of opportunities for for both defenses to make plays and, and, you know, Winnipeg made the plays when they had to and Saskatchewan knowing Winnipeg was going to run the ball in that fourth quarter still couldn't stop them. So that that's just demoralizing for a defense for sure. And, and they end up winning the time of possession battle by five minutes because they're able to kill so much clock. And, you know, I just thought it was so frustrating in when, when bridge would move the, move the ball and get to the red zone, they put in the David Watford package and, mm-hmm. It was talked about last year. <laughs> when your quarterback moves them down the field, whether it's by penalty or whatever, there's some sort of momentum there. And then you and just it's obviously kill working. It. That that game plan is working. Why are you going away from it? And then you just kill it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, a, phenomenal I, because a year ago Stephen McAdoo special. <laughs> A year ago, we're talking about Richie Hall and should he still have a job? And then look at the defense he's produced in Winnipeg. I, it's the coach's equivalent of the contract year with old Richie. But man, I think Big Hills made a big difference there. But that defense is something else, and they swarm mm-hmm. the ball in Winnipeg. I really like watching them, and I think they are probably the team best built to win in cold weather. But looking ahead to Sunday here, it's completely different animal 
uh, here in Alberta compared to what it was in Regina. Sunday in Calgary, we have a high of 15 degrees. I don't know if it's going to be like that for the Grey Cup. It, It could be above zero for the Grey Cup, which would be an absolute dream. But when it's that nice, I say advantage Calgary, man. Uh, especially with the way their offense can run with like they they somehow still have weapons at receiver yeah uh after all these injuries and if it's warm out uh Bo Levi can can start slinging that ball around it puts a lot of pressure on the secondary of the bombers we do, we do have to talk about one of the final plays of the game so the riders uh they, they do put a touchdown in they they botched the second down conversion if bridge doesn't throw the damn ball high then it's I think Roosevelt would have converted it, uh, but then what about ten seconds left? Uh, they they drop back for passing play. Brandon Bridge gets nailed in the head by Jackson Jeffcoat, and this happened a year ago in the West Semi between the the Bombers and the Eskimos, where Jeffcoat actually got fined, and I assume he's going to get fined. But this, to me, it it looked worse than the Odell Willis hit, and I'm not I'm not gonna crap on officiating or anything like that. I, I I'm not going uh, to go that route here. But Brandon Bridge is six foot five. You you <laughs> uh, you don't just give the guy a headshot. Uh, I don't know. No, Je- Jeff if... Gold had to jump to do that. He, he and did. And it shows on the replay that he did leave his feet. And led with the crown of his helmet. I don't want to call it on purpose, but he did launch upwards Mm -hmm. into his head. And yes, with the crown of the helmet. And it was very, very vicious. He's not going to get suspended. I'm sure he'll get hit in the pocketbook again. Mm -hmm. But this is two games in a row for the Riders. Caleros gets crushed. Bridge gets crushed. Let's go back to Thanksgiving. Mike Riley gets crushed. And I'm sure he's been crushed a few times this season. We've seen Lule get a helmet on the chin. Most of these plays, not called. And I understand that the ref might have a different point of view here and there. But this eye in the sky thing. Do we really need people watching a one hundredth of a second difference between a procedure and an offside call? Come on. No. But but the roughing the passer, and I know you don't want to slow the game down, but Bridge is down on the field for five minutes. Why can't the guy just say, okay, throw the flag here? It's not slowing the game down when the guy got his ass knocked out. And and in all honesty, it wouldn't slow the game down because you only have to look at it once or twice. Oh, and, and yeah. you can you can you can do that. It does not take that long. I know that uh, whitetail season opens on uh, you know November fifteenth here, but it seems open season on the quarterbacks right now. <laughs> Heyo, <laughs> a really big show, a really big show. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it it's a missed call, and you know there's going to be no there's no dispute in that. However, the ref cam did show that Patrick Lavoie directly in the eye line of the ref stopping him from making the call. 
I don't know if you've seen the replay yet, but the ref cam shows exactly where he's looking. You don't actually, all you see is Jeff Coat come in and you see nothing else and all you see is Lavoie. So you don't see any contact. Uh, you see him leave his feet, but you can't assume that's what he's doing if you don't see it. After the game, Twitter, of course, blows up, which I get. But people keep complaining about the eye in the sky making that call. And, and I know we just talked about it, but people need to get it through their heads because we've talked about it all year. The eye in the sky does not have the authority to make that call. I'm getting sick of reading it on Twitter. Well, why didn't they on this? Because they can't. It's not in the rules right now. Um, do we think they should be able to call that from the command center? Yes. Can they do it right now in this set of rules? No. People need to deal with it. That being said, if this administration has proved anything in the last two years, it's that they're not afraid of change. And especially when it comes to player safety, uh, you know, whether it's in the offseason or during the season, like we saw with the no contact rule at practice, uh, they took a coach's challenge away. So, so things can change. I don't know. If, I don't know if this means that it will change uh, before you know the, the East and West final next week. But um, I'm no, by no means being a league apologist saying, "Well, uh, they're human; it happens." No, that uh, I fully agree that the call was missed, but the referee can't call what he can't see. And if this league is serious about player safety, and I, I do believe they are. Um, you know, we, we've seen fines handed out and, you know, suspensions, stuff like that. Uh, if, if they are serious about this, I, this call or this missed call, whatever you want to call it, will affect change and probably give the Island Sky more power uh, when it comes to player safety in the future because it it, it, it needs to be fixed. If, if you can see it with the Island Sky and it literally takes five seconds to look at a play and say, that is roughing the passer, that is a helmet-to-helmet hit, then they need to do it. And uh, I don't know if this sounds too crazy or too harsh, but they need to have more harsher pun- punishments in the game. Because, absolutely, you know, if you're in your own end and there's nine seconds left and you lay the quarterback out with a headshot. Uh, I'm you, taking you, that 25-yard penalty every time. You get that and then the backup comes in and yep. <laughs> hasn't been doing anything all game. So... And I don't know if this is crazy, but if there's a blatant headshot or something like that, boot him, and then the offense gets the ball in field goal range. doesn't matter where you are. Well, that that that's a little extreme. I do, do agree. I, no, I see your but, point, but, though. But what can you do? Because a 15 mm-hmm. or 25-yard penalty in your own end, it makes no difference. It doesn't affect the game at all. So there's no... There's no deterrent not to lay yeah. a guy out or not to at least think about, you know, not making the hit. Would you consider penalties similar to those in baseball with with hit pitch with uh, hit by pitches where, you know, with the warning given out or whatever and then if it happens, the manager is tossed out too and if this keeps happening eventually there's suspensions. Would would you would you do that? Where you would you suspend a coach for a week uh, on a repeat offense? Maybe I, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know what to do. Like I was talking with Andrew from the Empire last night. We we talked basically through the whole games and then you know through the other game until I couldn't deal with that anymore. Um, these guys are in, they, they they feel invincible with these helmets and all the protection they, they do, have on. Yeah. Right, and I know it'll never happen because it is the safety aspect and everything, or whatever. But I, I do think that I, I know when we played tackle football in school, like at recess and lunch breaks, we never led with our head when we tackled because we weren't wearing helmets, so we weren't idiots. 
Right. We led they with the shoulder teach and us that. yeah. No, we led with the shoulder and tackled. These guys are hitting. It, it's completely different. And it's just like in hockey, they, they, a hit has completely changed from separating a guy to, from the puck to completely obliterating him. Yeah. And now we see a bunch of headshots. And it's the same thing in football where guys are not tackling. They're trying to make big hits. And, you know, they're putting themselves – not only putting their opponents at risk, putting themselves at risk by leading with their helmet. So, so I mean, they're, they're sacrificing their own bodies, uh, you know, for a play where they could – Literally knock both of like themselves and and their opponent out, and and what do you, what are you gaining from that? Yeah, football is a different game. I mean, in hockey, you can serve penalties, and you get a nice mm-hmm. advantage there uh, for two minutes, four, five, or whatever. So I, I think if you want to make it serious in football, man, and I don't think it's crazy if it's a blatant headshot. Yeah, thirty-five yard line. There you go. Uh, and that that would stop guys in a hurry, wouldn't it? I, I don't think it would. Because I, I don't, <laughs> well, I don't think guys would can get bench him in a hurry. I know that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that would be the only thing that would happen because I don't think we see it still in college. And college has a damn yeah. targeting rule um, yeah, where do. guys, they, they don't care. They will lower their head because they're going for a hit. They're not trying to tackle. They're trying to inflict as much damage as they possibly can, which don't get me wrong um, – you know, in a physical it's game a like football, game. You, need, you need to you need to inflict you need to inflict some damage. I'm not saying that you're trying to hurt them, but you're trying to eliminate the play. You're trying to, to eliminate any chance they have of of any gain. Um, but these guys are hitting to hurt and, and making stupid decisions, and we saw it again this week. Yeah. Um, when when you start threatening these guys, though, with uh, the uh, chance that they're not going to be playing football. And you take the game away, you take the paycheck away. Uh, that that will send a message in fast because uh, a lot of these guys they love the game, and if they can't play because of mm-hmm. stupid decisions they make on the field, then that should fix the problem in a hurry. I think. I would hope. I think it's it's up to the players too, man. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 completely on the players. Um, you know, the league shouldn't have to deal with this because guys yeah. should like if you're, you're going to do something like that. It, you're basically you basically have zero respect for your opponent and zero respect for yourself. You're going to put yourself and your opponent in that situation. It's selfish. I, I'm not only saying this because it's it's a rider quarterback. Like, well, we, I mean, we the MOP so... of the league gets headshots. Yeah, and <laughs> if that Nothing happens, happens. any other league, yeah, you're, uh, yeah, you're you're in trouble, man. You're, yeah. you're look, look at the NFL. Look at the NFL. You can't even breathe on Tom Brady. Yeah. And I, 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 so. I hope we don't get to that point, though. I think there's a fine line. Like, the the roughing the passer stuff from earlier in the season is like, are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, if you're leaving your feet and smashing somebody in the head, somebody should be able to call. Especially if they're showing the replay in the stadium, man. Like, yep. <laughs> if you've got the time to do that, Toronto's got the time to get on the walkie-talkie and tell Tom Valesi, Hey, we got to throw the and, flag here. And we said it last week, too, because the concussion protocol was not followed to begin with. But once the spotter did pull Kalaros out, it's obvious it's a headshot. So why yeah. is that not subject to review? If something obviously happened there that you missed, you need yeah. to fix it. And it sucks that it took two hits like this for it to happen. 
for the league to come out and deal with it because the first time all they dealt with was the concussion protocol and the spotter. This time they're they're saying you know we need to fix it. Well, that's great, but you got to do it. We can't can't just sit back and let this keep happening. And I don't think they will. And I think we saw we saw this comment coming from the league, but now you know we we've seen them make rule changes and change how the game is officiated mid season. And I would not be surprised if it's done before the West and East final. I, I don't know if they would want to do it in the playoffs, but I could see it. I could see a point to them doing it because you know. One more concussion is one too many, or one more you know headshot I don't like think that this is one change, too many. I don't think this change really affects the games, or at least it shouldn't. The, no. the challenge is you can go either way on that as far as affecting games um, and changing that midseason, but this should not have long, an issue. If you want to put how it, long does it in take to look games, at a hit, I don't care. Exactly. How long does it take to look at a hit to, to see if it's helmet to helmet? Right? It's like, uh, slow it down for a sec. No, you went shoulder first. Helmet helmet contact was secondary. It's incidental, not a penalty. Okay, that's fine. But you know, it, it's not going to slow down the game that much. It's we're not fishing for for illegal contact penalties here. Yeah, uh, grab your tickets for two and out live. Two and out live. That eventbrite.ca. It's next Thursday, the twenty second, at the CKUA building in downtown Edmonton. You'll have enough time to hit the CFL awards and go to Spirit of Edmonton after that as well. Uh, Brazilian Tide, Travis Curra with two and out. We're a part of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. Man, there are new podcasts joining all the time. So many great podcasts, a part of uh, the network. How about the business and marketing section and the podcast Cross Pollination? It's a podcast about creativity and innovation. NB interviews uh, those with interviews. NB interviews people of all kinds. They combine fields. They have knowledge. <laughs> they combine, not combine. Combine. <laughs> no. <laughs> You're making them sound like farmers. That's the Saskatchewan in me. I'm like, wait, this description doesn't make sense. But she interviews those who combine fields, knowledge, and talents to create something new. There we go. Hey, we got it. <laughs> well, and the fact that fields followed combine slash combine made it all the more confusing for me. <laughs> Uh, Ooh, I need a nap. <laughs> Lloyd Public Schools, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, Cross pollination, check it out. It's another great podcast in the Alberta Podcast Network. Have yourself a good one. We will be back to preview the East and West Finals on Thursday morning. Have a good one. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.